Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is Mona Patel, who's the CEO of Motivate Design, also of UX Hires, and the author of a fantastic new book called Reframe, Shift the Way You Work, Innovate, and Think. Mona, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Uh, well, I, I, I know that... Um, your upcoming talk at the next conversion conference in uh, May of 2016 is going to be kind of uh, centered around some of the, the concepts of your book. So let's unpack it for our audience. I mean, obviously, you have a pretty strong background in, in usability and designing user experiences. Uh, why do we need to reframe? What's wrong you know, with the way um, we're doing things now? <laughs> there's, there's never anything wrong with the way you're doing things now. Uh, you know, actually, I was inspired by um, some of the candidates that I met on the UX hire side. So uh, we help other companies grow their UX and design practices. And as I talked to candidates, you know, they had this huge um, desire to do something meaningful at the organizations that they were going to join, but they stood in their own way. You know, they had uh, maybe a mindset that didn't let them see the opportunities that existed at, for example, a large bank or um, a pharmaceutical company. They saw these uh, places as kind of old and stoic and not really ripe for innovation. And so I, that was kind of my cue to dig in a little bit deeper to see why is there a disconnect between people who want to innovate and companies who also want to innovate and the match not actually happening. And okay, so... My, so, I, yeah. so, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say my diagnosis was that it wasn't actually a process like design thinking or user-centered design. It was uh, people not having the right frame to view a problem. Okay, well, before we go into exactly what that means, is this partly yeah. a clash of generations? I mean, there's the corporate America of the 1950s dying a slow death, and here's all these millennials looking for uh, meaning in their work and changing the world and uh, also brewing craft beer in their bathtub? <laughs> it could be. I mean, the millennials are definitely, uh, you know, there's a there's a stereotype that's associated with them that definitely um, it can be described that way, but... I don't know. I just met somebody who uh, told me his age. He was 51 this morning over coffee, and he's not feeling fulfilled in his president job at a at a major organization. So I don't think it's millennials. I think it's just everybody's looking for meaning. If I if I work somewhere from nine to five, I want it to matter. Yeah. Well. All right. So let's start with that. We want to have fulfilling lives. Uh, we want to grow in our professional careers. And so sometimes it seems kind of inevitably almost in big companies, that means uh, that we just have to kind of suck it up and leave our creativity at the door and do what we're told and uh, be the cog in the machine. Uh, how do you break through that? That's a pretty uh, you know, powerful edifice that's been constructed and reinforced in many ways. I know it has, but as you look around the corner, there's two guys in our garage um, knocking at your door, not doing it that way and disrupting your, your field. So, you know, one of the ways that we've started, so there's two, two ways I'll talk about. The first is uh, almost a self-awareness. Uh, in that book, there's something called the BS excuse personas. And it was my funny and light way 
to help people recognize the behaviors that they bring to work that inhibit themselves from innovating. And so, for example, there's a brat, which you know me and you know I am one. <laughs> um, you know, person <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. I'm the president. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I mean, that, this is the whole point for you to call yourself out on the behaviors and the things that you do uh, and believe that prevent you from bringing your best innovative self to work. So as a brat, I judge ideas very quickly. You know, either it's good or it's not. It's yes or it's no. And because I do that, again, I've grown tremendously in my career as, as a result of it, but I've also potentially missed out on opportunities to innovate because I judged it too quickly. Um, another one of the BS excuse personas is a sheep. You know, I follow the herd. I do what everyone else is doing, and I'm not going to stand out. I'm definitely not going to be the one that puts my neck out on the line to propose an idea because that's just not supported here. It's not that the company doesn't support it. It's you yourself view the world as a world of sheep and you just want to fit in. And so again, we, we've kind of looked at the kinds of behaviors that we saw when it came to innovation and classified them in, I hope a fun way, but a real way. Well, uh, I want to, to explore this, this notion of sheep though, because yeah. you know, the more I, I learn about uh, mammals in general and people in particular, the <laughs> latest about neuromarketing, if you will, uh, the more I understand yeah. how important the social component is in our lives. In a way, you could say the neocortex evolved to be able to handle and model the complexity of our social relationships. And, and there's an advantage to being part of the herd. So how do you find that right balance between uh, sticking out and conforming. I mean, is, aren't there real risks to not being a sheep? Not that I'm advocating that everyone be a sheep, but uh, it, that's well, not risks, something yeah. to be dismissed uh, lightly, I think. No, it's not. It's definitely not light, but the concept, well, recognizing when it serves you, I think is is the answer there because there's a risk to being a sheep as well. So maybe like two months ago, I went on site to this company that basically had 50 salespeople. They were all millennials uh, right out of school and they were asked to basically pick up the phone and call small businesses and convince them to buy this particular product. So high commission, low base, very sales oriented audience. And I came in to talk about innovation and it really struck me that, you know, these guys have great ideas. When we were, we tackled a, a business problem around getting better leads and they came up with great ideas, but they were so nervous about what their peers would say about those ideas that they wouldn't actually state them. And that's an example of sheep behavior gone way wrong at an extreme. There are some very smart people in that group of 50, but they had to bring themselves down to being, I'm sorry, I have to say it, dumb, because that's who they were surrounded by, and they didn't want to stick out. That's not good for the company. That's not good for that person's career. It's not good for that entire sheep herd either. All right, so let's take a look at this from, from two perspectives, and we'll probably need to come back to this uh, you know, after our first break. But uh, So there's the what can I, as a manager or an executive, do to um, kind of take off some of the shackles and handcuffs? And then on the other side, what can I, as the employee, do to you know, shake things up a bit and open things up uh, from, directly from my perspective? Yes. Right. So pick, I would say, you know, a lot you of, want to start with. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, what has already been written about and explored with uh, large agencies has been top down. So as a manager, what do I need to do to bring design thinking and user centricity to my organization? The book and part of my mission is bottom up from an employee perspective. What do I need to shift, which my proposal is your mindset uh, in order to bring 
innovation to my company in order to have it be a part of my job. It's not being done in an innovation lab. It's being done, you know, with me, the bus driver at Disney World, or with me, the um, the search engine optimization expert at a large organization. What do I do to help my company grow and innovate in today's market? Okay, so let's uh, start what with baby steps. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The uh, the book has a large technique. I'll take you through kind of, I think, the most powerful part of it, which is asking an open question like, what if? And it can be, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if? it could? You know, you can phrase it any way you want, but the concept is asking an open question, for example, with the leads uh, at that company I mentioned before, what if we had pre-lead qualifiers? What if we offered people an incentive to recommend their friends? What if we offered a money-back guarantee for 30 days so that leads weren't a problem? What if we had a joint quota instead of an individual quota so we could help each other? You know, when you have the question, what if, it allows ideas to come through and it doesn't require, a, you know, a bachelor's degree in design thinking. It just allows you to tap into something that you used to do when you were five and then find your way, you know, you found the out that you stopped doing uh, as time progressed. And again, probably due to, to social influences and not wanting to stick out in a bad way and a number of other things. Um, and I guess if you're, especially this is important, if you're younger and you feel there are more experienced or senior people around you or guiding you or managing you, that must be extra hard. Let's pick that up after the break. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, landing page optimization. Uh, this 
week, my guest is Mona Patel, the CEO of Motivate Design, and we're talking about her latest book, Reframe, Shift the Way You Work, Innovate, and Think. So, Mona, okay, so I'm a little guy. I'm a little cog in the big machine, okay? Um, and I'm asking these questions. Uh, what's important in terms of, um, you know, how do I get other people to play the game with me? How do I get other people to answer the questions, propose their own questions? How do I infect people? Sorry, I've been watching The Walking Dead too much uh, with the virus. <laughs> um, what I've tried to do is create a methodology that's almost like a game. You know, I mean, I really wasn't thinking of this as an academic exercise as much as I am the little cog in the machine, which, by the way, is one of our excuse personas as well. Um, and I'll, it's called bullied, um, you know, where you label yourself as not powerful enough. Uh, but, you know, aside from the excuse persona, creating a game where this is fun. I mean, it is really fun to solve a problem if you see the problem as an opportunity. So if you, the little cog, got your little cog friends together and said, this is a problem that we want to solve. We don't have enough leads and this is a sales-based organization, we want to increase the number of leads. Then in three minutes, write down as many what-if questions as you can. You can do them silently on Post-it notes, keep it cheap, keep it easy. But what this does is level the playing field and allow everybody to contribute an idea that they probably have. And if it doesn't come out in the first three minutes, do it again and do it again. And then within the nine minutes after writing and sharing, you would be so surprised at the number of ideas that come out that solve the problem. They may not be great ideas, and there's a whole other part of the methodology around that, but at least you're not stuck on a problem. Okay, so I think you, you, you said a couple of things that I want to unpack in there. Okay, so one is that every, it's a level playing field. So, And I think it's important uh, to just kind of ideate uh, without judgment. So an important part of the process, yeah. I assume, at this stage anyway, is not shutting anything down, right? It's just, you know, go it's free roll and come up with ideas. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Like in copywriting, you know, the, the, the old dictum is that the first 25 headlines you write are throwaways. I mean, you shouldn't expect I, exactly. anything good at the beginning. That's exactly why we do more than one round. And actually then, in between rounds, I'll take you through this. There's only three things that you're allowed to say after you, you share an idea. One is plus one, which, is mean you had, which means you had the same idea, plus love, which means I didn't have that idea, but I really do love it. That was great. And I'm good, which means I have no more ideas, uh, but just said in a positive way. And so not only are we taking away some of the negative behaviors that happen in brainstorming with judging ideas or shutting them down, we're reinforcing you know, we're all a team. We're here to solve the problem. It's not about who solves the problem. It's about getting to a solution. Well, yes and no. Again, there's that old uh, mammalian dominance thing coming out. And, and I bet the extroverts will take over this process in a heartbeat. They so can't. I think another important concept here is understanding the, uh, the power of introverts who often have just as much to contribute but are so sensitive to the slightest social perturbations or being put in the spotlight that they, they're terrified of contributing. What do you do with them? You know, uh, you know, actually, um, we've done this uh, a lot of times, definitely three digits. And this, the methodology doesn't allow extroverts to shine. You know, it does level the playing field between introverts and extroverts. And on top of that, the thing that it does is increase competition, competition for quantity of ideas. You know, you don't want to be the person that says, I'm good first, no matter what. And so people come up with even more and more ideas, even the introverts. And so... Again, you know, we, we spent a lot of time designing this so that the introverts, and by, by the way, I'm one, you know, have an opportunity to be thoughtful and voice their opinions just as much as the extroverts. 
Okay, by the way, uh, for those of you living in extrovert land like me, extreme extrovert land, you're probably not even aware that <laughs> introverts are a di- different species. Uh, I highly recommend <laughs> a, a terrific book called Quiet, uh, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Uh, fantastic book. Okay. It is. Uh, I read it. It's great. <laughs> okay, so, so, we, so we're through this ideation stage and some things, you know, kind of – uh, bubble to the top because lots of people are saying, yeah, I had that idea and or I love that idea. Uh, so what do you do with the, the raw kind of. material? Yeah, kind of. So, you know, you have you have a lot of post-it notes. That's what you have at this point. Some of them have a plus love written on them. Some, some of them have a plus uh, one. You still need to figure out which ones are good. And so part of the process after coming up with a lot of what ifs is funnel vision, bringing it down to a set of good ideas. Um, and really there's three questions that this comes down to. Number one is, do you love the idea? So in this process, some of the ideas were throwaway ideas and some were really, you know, they, they, they elicited a physiological response sometimes in you. Like, this is good. This is amazing. So the first question is, do you love the idea? The second one is, does it fulfill a business need? You know, is this good for the business, for the people who are paying for the idea? And the third is, is this good for users? You know, whether that's you or whether that's uh, a customer. Um, and by doing that, by saying yes, no, yes, no to these, you know, three questions, you end up from maybe 50 ideas to four or five better ideas. And then there's a matrix, which is hard to explain on the radio, but easy as soon as you see it, which allows you to plot um, your ideas on a scale of how easy or difficult it would be and the impact. It would have. Okay. Okay. And by so doing that's those also, things, you end up def- with great ideas. So basically, you definitely have to look at the, the leverage, I'll call it, of the idea. You know, minimum effort, maximum impact would be kind of uh, yes. at, at the highest place in, in terms of what you should attack first, right? Uh, okay, but yes. I want to go back to something you say because I think, you know, that uh, I'll kind of paraphrase, but passion as a driving force. One of the things that we know is that, you know, the uh, psychological fuel for getting anything done is is a, a passion, a, a drive to, to do it. So if you're not behind the idea, if you're just kind of like lukewarm, or, yeah, we should try that, uh, that's not going to get very far, is it? No, I 100% agree. Um, and that's exactly why that question comes first. You know, it could fulfill a business need. It could fulfill a user need. But if you don't care, you're not going to do the hard work that's still to come to actually execute on the idea. To, to get it from the idea stage where I love to live and to the actual uh, Me too. You know, boots on the ground part, uh, as they say in Iraq. Exactly. Uh, okay, so if we talk about uh, you know, business needs versus user needs, one of the things that comes up for me is that there's always a bias towards business needs. Um, do we need, need to kind of like you know crank the pendulum over to the user side because they're the ones in my mind that are always being neglected, which has been a central theme in our conversion rate optimization work. <laughs> so you know, um, and this is the secret that will no longer be a secret. Remember that this was all designed by me, a user experience expert and also lover of users. So. You noted that um, in the third, right? So it's, do you love the idea? Business, is this a good business uh, need? Is this, uh, will this fulfill a user need? It has its own question. You know, that's one place where, I, where I've um, kind of given it the same weight as all business needs. So business has tech and has actual product and users have their own line, if you will, of yes, no. The other thing is on that matrix with maximum, minimum, you know, we call it how well. So how is how much work is this going to take to launch this idea? That's resources. buy-in, that's 
yep. res- all resources, and wow is our own y-axis, which is will users love this? You know, will they care about this? Will you make an impact in the world? And so in those two ways, I've tried to balance it and at least weigh it subtly a little more towards user-centered design. Okay, yeah, and, and again, I think that that's really critical. One of the hardest things for us as marketers or as business people more broadly is to actually take ourselves out of the need of the business. Well, I just want more lead form fills, uh, you know, and actually say, why would somebody want to fill out our form? Uh, exactly. And I think, and I think we, we don't spend enough time empathizing with our visitors. Uh, I want to come back to that uh, after our, our break. But I understand, though, I'm not going to dig into this before the break, but uh, you're kind of like a, a jock sports super mom. I understand you've gone... <laughs> You've let your kids hurtle down a mountainside and actually incentivize them through competition in this insane activity. Okay, we're going to explore this side of Mona Patel when we come back after our last break. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. Your host, Tim Ash, here with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, speaking with Mona Patel uh, about her book, Reframe, Shift the Way You Work, Innovate, and Think. Mona, why are you trying to kill your yes. kids? <laughs> I mean, in the U.S., naughty. Child Protective Circuit, you know, Services would, would take them away from you if you do these kind of things. Explain. I wasn't trying to kill them, but I was definitely trying to scare them a little bit. Um, you know, we were uh, in Montremblant, which is a ski town, but we went during the summer and uh, they had this fantastic, really fast luge. And so we spent, I believe it was like four hours straight for three days. So 12 hours total on this luge. And it was just too 
tempting not to go fast. And so the kids were actually on board with this. I mean, you know, my husband and I are both entrepreneurs. We, we live a risky life. Uh, definitely it's trickled down to them. We got in trouble a couple of times. We were kicked off once, but for the most part, it was a great, <laughs> it was a, I talked our way back on, uh, but it was a really great uh, experience for them to, to drive and just experience adrenaline, experience, you know, in a safe environment. And it was, I want to teach them that. I think it's good to take risks. Right. Very few people have died on that luge run. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I just recently went uh, zip lining in Whistler, and that was something else, 60 miles an hour uh, between mountainsides. Uh, all right. Well, uh, if you're not an adrenaline junkie like us, uh, don't start a business because it doesn't have its ups and downs. No, but back to uh, the framework we were talking about for innovation. Uh, so if you – you know, a, a lot of people, I know you, you said that the, one of the personas you had was like, oh, I can't do this, poor me, I'm a victim, and I don't have any power. Uh, but if you yeah. had to have just uh, three practical tips for just somebody you know, kickstarting this in their organization right now, uh, how should they approach it? So, you know, it, it, this isn't a magical cure. It's more about awareness. So, First thing is focus on yourself. You know, a lot of times I've given this talk around these excuse personas and people can easily identify who their boss is. They can easily identify who a colleague is, but it takes them a long time to figure out who am I? You know, who do I bring to work? The good side and the bad side. And then what do I want to do about that? Is that serving me? So the BS excuse persona section is really, uh, it's a mirror. You know, look at it, look at it harshly um, and try to identify what is it that prevents me from contributing innovation, innovative ideas and helping to move this business forward. The okay, what am, what am I bringing that, to the party? So, I mean, a, a friend of mine developed yeah. an HR framework and he called it victims, villains, and heroes. It's like, what role are you right. playing when you get to work? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's kind of the point. And, you know, it's very easy to point to your boss. It's very easy to point to culture and say, you know, this is what's holding me back, but you're being a blamer. Another one. Um, you know, focus on what you're bringing to the party. I love, I love the way you said that. Um, and then the rest of the methodology is supposed to be very practical. I mean, Tim, we ran this with fifth graders. And the fifth grade studio was amazing. It was so incredible to see kids who didn't have as many excuse personas show up and give us great ideas about how to redesign a toothbrush from making it look like a dinosaur so it stood upright to connecting it with Bluetooth so that it played music. <laughs> okay uh, I think more connected kids uh, is not something that I'm looking for in my household in fact, uh, we talk about parking them in front of screens on uh, on weekend mornings but I guess that's what my parents did with me uh, with uh, Sesame Street back in the day uh, uh, all right, so uh, if we're if we're talking about this you know what um, tell us the end result of this if the people that really embrace this um, what do their workplaces become like? You know, I was inspired by startups and I'm trying to build that concept of everybody work on the problem, everybody take responsibility for the problem in these larger corporations. So what has happened is those corporations have people who are contributing to problem solving rather than staring and pointing and not doing anything about a problem. And the problems range from things that deal with conversion on a website to HR issues to uh, ways to integrate a new business that has been bought by executives. And all of those are opportunities to you know, ask what if, to go through the process and see the best way to see a problem as an opportunity. 
All right, fantastic. Well, for those of you that don't know, Mona has been a, a highly rated speaker at our Conversion Conference event, and I'm proud here for the first time to publicly announce that you will also be keynoting our big Las Vegas 2016 mega show in uh, May of 2016. So don't miss Mona's talk there. Uh, Mona, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? They can email me directly, Mona at MotivateDesign.com. Fantastic. And uh, loyal listeners, you've squandered a perfectly good half hour with us. Uh, And for those of you willing to do it again, we'll uh, see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.